so much. Well, good evening, folks. It is good to be back at Freedom Baptist Church. The last time I was here was much, much, much colder than what it is right now. And uh, I uh, wish I could have been here uh, when you started the conference. Uh, as a pastor, I always like all the missionaries to be there when it starts, and so does your pastor. And, uh, but he showed some mercy and grace, understood that I had eight men that I was taking around the churches down in uh, Georgia and Alabama, and we were really busy. This is a month that I take the nationals around uh, to different churches, and so I couldn't be here. And I'll tell you more about help ministry. Some of you remember when I was here before. And boy, God's just doing great things around the world. And let me just tell you this. Uh, Baptist Couriers for Christ has had a great impact in the world. And, uh, you know, I'm concentrating with third world nations, uh, trying to help these independent fundamental Baptist preachers uh, to help them with some support. And, and so I'm doing in that part of the world. Baptist Couriers has dealt in Eastern Europe. And, and you know what, brethren? We can reach every person of the gospel if we just think that way. Really. We just got to get our thinking changed, amen? And if we can get thinking that way, it would really, we could do it. You know, God wants every person to receive the gospel. I don't think anyone would argue with that tonight, would you? Uh, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Problem with us is, we say it like this, going to all the world and preach the gospel. That's great, but it's not enough. Every person needs to hear the gospel, amen? It's so good to see Larry Ingalls. It's been a while since I've seen him. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, he looks the same. He hasn't aged. <laughs> and uh, I was really impressed when he brought his uh, clock up here to watch his time. He's never done that with me before. <laughs> kind of reminded me of the little boy that got his friend to come to church with him that one Sunday. And he sat there and the preacher got up to preach and he took his watch off and put it right there and little boy said, uh, the, the, the visitor said to his friend, what does that mean? He said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing whatsoever. And, uh, but hey, Larry stuck to it. That's amazing. You know, when I've had Larry in my church, it's a series of messages every night. Amen. Uh, you know, I told Larry once, I said, you know, you need to really cut back on this preaching. You just go too long for the people. You really drain them. He said, well, John, you know, uh, Paul, he preached till midnight, you know, and and a uh, man fell out of the window, and, uh, but he preached till midnight. And I, and, uh, and I said, yeah, but Paul raised him from the dead. <laughs> and when you can raise him from the dead, you can preach as long as you want. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you what, I was excited about flying up there. I've never been flown to a meeting before. I kind of like it. Amen. But uh, I got looking at my calendar, remembering this is September October, right around the corner, and the north is unpredictable. And the last time I was up here, it was cold. It really was. And I, listen, I, I'm a southern gentleman now. You know, I'm not used to this cold weather anymore. I've been down south for 15 years and have no plans of coming back north. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I fell asleep in the plane coming up today. I thought about that. I thought, boy, I sure we don't have a snowstorm. And I don't even bother praying about it. The last time I prayed about no snow, it snowed all week when I was up here. So I don't bother praying about that stuff anymore. But anyways, I fell asleep. And I woke up, and I'm in the aisle seat. I like the aisle seat. I don't like the seat next to the window, especially for the simple reason. If you have to get up and go to the bathroom, you've got to bother the person next to you. I can't stand that. So I, I woke up, and I looked out, and I saw all this snow. It was all over the place. Then I realized it was the clouds. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, I had a panic moment. I did. A panic moment. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Well, I hope to help you tonight uh, with that three words, and I, I think we added one more to it, supplication. Surrender, sacrifice, send, and supplication. Tonight, I'd like to try to help you with that as we go through this week, and I think we all want God to work in our lives. By the way, aren't you glad you have the God who knows you by name and desires to work in your life? Aren't you glad that God saved you to use you? Amen? He didn't just save you. That would be good, by the way, if that's all we got out of this. But he didn't just save you. He saved you to use you. And this week, he wants to use you. Because there's people out there that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's given us a promise. If you let him use you, people will get saved. Amen? I'll tell you what, there's no greater investment in all the world than investing the gospel with people. It promises a return. I like what Jesus said, uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And then he said this, baptizing them. Amen? Aren't you glad he said that? He didn't say if they get saved. He said baptizing them. You know what that tells me? People will get saved, will just be obedient. If we'll just take the message of love to people and tell them about Jesus, people will get saved. So this week's very special in your hearts. I hope you're praying about it. You'll never get the mind of God apart from prayer. You've got to pray about it. And I hope to help you with that tonight just a little bit. And so let me encourage you to be here every night if you can. And, and uh, just, hey, expect God to speak to you this week. If I heard the pastor right, Decision Sunday, something like that, right? Am I right? Okay. Well, then expect him to speak. Because he wants to speak. Listen, this is not something you have to drag out. God wants people to be saved. That's why Jesus came. And you are his army. And God will speak to your heart if you want him to. You will know what to do next Sunday. You really will. It's not, you know, because it's, 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 it's deadline time. It's time to turn in the commitment. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I want to mark a few verses with us. We're going to look at some of these tonight. If you take your Bibles and turn me to 1 John chapter 5. Would you do that, please? 1 John chapter 5. And when you find 1 John chapter 5, put a marker in there. And then turn over to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses, all right? First uh, John chapter 5, and then uh, Romans chapter 1. Now, when you find Romans chapter 1, I want you to put a marker in there, okay? And then go back to Hebrews chapter 11. So we got three, three verses here. First John chapter 5, three references. Romans chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 11. You say, well, why are we marking our Bible ahead of time? Do you want to get out here before midnight? Then mark your Bible. Amen? And then the last one is Joshua chapter 3. That's going to be our text. All right? So 1 John chapter 5, Romans chapter 1, and uh, then Hebrews 11, and go back to Joshua chapter 3. Now, while you're turning to Joshua, let me just give a few thoughts about the book of Joshua. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. And the reason it's one of my favorites is a book of victory. One victory after another as Israel obeyed the Lord's command to enter the promised land and conquer it. Praise the Lord for that. Now, there was a few rough times in this conquest. I think back to the chapter 7 when uh, they marched against the city of Ai. They just had a tremendous victory, Jericho. They marched around that city seven times or seven days and blew the horns and the walls came down. And, man, they went in there and destroyed everyone. And what a great victory. And the city of Ai only had a few uh, uh, people compared to Jericho. And they said, just give us 3,000 men and we can take care of it. Only to be put on the run with 36 dying. And the reason for it was that there was sin in the camp. 
sinned in the camp. Achan disobeyed the Lord and took some possessions to his own, that Babylonian garment and the silver and, and the gold. And then we go over to chapter 9, and you don't need to turn there, but I'm just showing you some, some rough times in our life because we have rough times in our life. Amen? And over in chapter 9, uh, we have those wily Gibeonites who were just a few miles down the road who gave the appearance that they were coming from a nation that bordered uh, Canaan and they wanted to become the servants of Israel and uh, the, the, to surrender to them. And they fooled them. The Bible says that uh, they made a, uh, an alliance with Israel, but first said this, or with uh, the Gibeonites, but first said this, they asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Now, brethren, you've got to ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord this week. You really do. You've got to make sure that you deal with sin in your life this week. Our churches don't preach very much on sin anymore, do they? But yet blocked so often from hearing what God has for us. I'm so thankful for 1 John 1, 9. How about you? It's the most used verse in my Bible. Amen? I need it. And it puts me back in fellowship with God. It's not a license to sin, but it's a promise and assurance that I can be in fellowship with God when I do sin. I need to come to Him. All right? But you know, when you think about it, all of us have some rough times in our life where we've disobeyed the Lord and we suffer the consequences. But it need not be our habit because God, who is rich in mercy, desires for us to live a victorious Christian life, a life for His glory and good for you. And tonight, God will have to see the key by which Israel conquered the promised land. And I will say it is the key by which making those three words working in your life this week. It's the key. It really is. It's the key to victorious Christian living. And so if you go to Joshua chapter 3, we find that Israel is about ready to cross the Jordan and go to battle and take the land. And uh, God gives uh, Joshua some instruction here. We begin reading in verse 5. The Bible says, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And by the way, the Lord your God is with you too. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Verse 12. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribe of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass, when the people were removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks, all the time of harvest. But the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a, very, a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zeratim. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground 
in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over. Chapter 4, verse 15. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony, that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. Now, Father, I want to thank you so much for the joy of being here tonight. I love mission conferences. I believe in them. I believe we need them. And, Lord, this is a week that uh, you have a very uh, uh, focused uh, speaking to our hearts as concerning the need to get the gospel throughout the world within every creature vision. And, Lord, I pray that this might be a study that you would take to our hearts, that we would have open hearts tonight, and that we would let you speak to us. Help me, Lord, to be under your control. Now, to your words, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You know, whenever we think of Israel crossing the Jordan uh, into the promised land, we think of that miracle of God, amen? I mean, it was a miracle what God did. Would you not agree with that? According to our Bible, the banks were overflowing. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen some rivers where the banks have overflowed. It's a terrible, frightening thing, amen? I've gone through, the, uh, through two floods in Middleburg, New York, uh, Schoharie River, where it has overflowed and flooded the valley and even gotten into our church and into our parsonage. I remember those days. It's, it's intimidating. It's threatening. It's fearful. But then we're also told that they crossed on dry ground. Two times we're told they crossed on dry ground. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when, when the water is separated, you would think the, the ground would be muddy. But it is dry ground, and Israel crossed on the dry ground. What a work of God. Would you agree with that? That's a tremendous work of God. And all through the book of Joshua, we see the mighty hand of God at work enabling the Israelites to conquer the land. You know, I think at times we need to be reminded of God's mighty power. I think at times we need to remember that the God of the Old Testament is the same God today. I think at times we need to remember that the God of the Gospels and the God of the book of Acts is the same God today. You see, sometimes when we look at the Old Testament and we look at what God did in the, in the Gospels and what the Lord did in the, in the book of Acts and what the church did, somehow we say, oh well, that's back then and we're here today. And we limit what God would do or what he desires to do because of our little faith. Now, I want to show you this, this, this evening... What, enabled, what allowed God to surrender, or to, excuse me, to separate that, that river so they could pass through? What allowed God to do that? But before I do that, I want to show you some passages in, in the gospel, and I want you to look at these with me. And one is found over in um, uh, Matthew. I'm losing my place here. Matthew, I'm going to back up a little bit. Hold up. See, Larry doesn't, I do it. Okay, let me back up here. Let me back up just a little bit. I don't want to miss this, all right? Here's what I want to say. The book of Joshua belongs to a different dispensation. I understand that. It's the dispensation of the law. Amen? We're in a dispensation of grace. And, uh, but I think we need to remember the words of the prophet Jeremiah, who said in Jeremiah 32, 17, that applies to all dispensations, Ah, Lord God, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and stretch out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. 
There's nothing too hard for you. I think we need to remember the words spoken by the Lord just a few verses down from there where he replied to Jeremiah and he said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Now the answer to that is no. You know, I think we need to remember the words of the angel Gabriel that, uh, that he spoke to the Virgin Mary when she asked, How can I be with child, seeing I know not a man? He told her the Holy Ghost would come upon her and she would be with child. And then he said this, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I think we need to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in reference to the rich man entering the kingdom of God. You remember that story, don't you? He had riches and he walked away disappointed and uh, because he was trusting his good works and he couldn't give up his riches. Amen? He was trusting his works and not the Lord. And, and Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But then he said this, but with God, all things are possible. And if you're saved, that's your God tonight. That's your God, whom you know and you love and you serve through the Holy Spirit. And when He is in what you are doing, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Did you get that? When He's in what you're doing, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And make sure you get that, because you see, what you do is by the grace of God. It's not by you. It's by God's grace, by God's power. Now, I want to draw your attention to what allowed God to do this great miracle and all the other miracles through the Bible. If you go with me back to that text again, uh, Joshua 3, just look at verse 14 quickly with me. It came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they that bear the Ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, that's when God did his miracle. You see, it took the faith of the priests to see God do that great miracle. It took them to go to the brim of that water, as threatening and intimidating as it was, and to literally put their feet into that water to see God do that great miracle that we have recorded in our word. And brethren, can I say something to you? That's the key by which to see God do great things. It's your faith. It's your faith. You know, a new generation of Jews were about to cross the Jordan. Forty years ago, they were in this very same spot. But back then, they were just little children. Some were infants and some were young boys and girls and what have you. And their fathers uh, uh, went into the uh, promised land to check it out to see if it was everything that God said what it was. And you remember the story, don't you? The 12 spies that went in there. And they came back and they said, oh, it is everything that God said it is and even more. However, the, the inhabitants are like giants and we're no match for them. We're like grasshoppers. And uh, they will not only destroy us, but they will destroy our children. And so what did God say? Okay, if that's the way you think, then go back to the wilderness and wander for 40 more years. And I'll give it to your children. Your children are here now. A new generation about the cross, the Jordan. But they're so different from moms and dads back then. They believed God for what he said he would do. Can I ask you something? Do you allow God to tell you what he would do from the word of God? And do you believe he'll do what he says he'll do? Now, we're not talking about any faith. We're talking about Bible faith, aren't we? We're not talking about the faith the devil promotes that, that leads to an eternal hell and many of the be that are on it. Amen. He has a faith out there. It's good works and what have you. Self-righteousness. 
We're not talking about... What we're talking about tonight is Bible faith. Faith in God according to His Word. And what did that Bible faith begin in your life? It began the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... And you were born again by, by the Spirit of God. Your sins are forgiven. You received eternal life for the promise of a home in heaven. And brethren, that faith is still in your heart today. It's still there. It's still alive. But it's alive with purpose. And what's the purpose? To see God do great and mighty things. That's what it's there for. Hey, listen. God wants to do a great and mighty thing this week. And by the way, He's done it in the past in this church. Amen? He's done it in the past. But, you know, we can't look to the past. <laughs> We've got too much to do than what's ahead of us, you know. Uh, we, need to, we need to focus on what God, where we are today and what God wants to be done tomorrow. And, uh, and we need to trust God according to His Word. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go with me to Matthew chapter 17 and look at this passage with me. Now, while you're turning there, faith is not just a past experience of salvation in the life of a sinner that he gives testimony of. Rather, it is to be a now, everyday activity that makes God, whom we cannot see nor touch, just as real as the person next to you. And it's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite by which to see God do great things. In fact, to see God do the impossible. Look at Matthew 17. Do you remember this chapter? That father with a demon-possessed son brought him to Jesus to, to, to have that, that devil cast out of him and only to find the Lord was absent and just the disciples were there. Remember that? And the disciples, I believe they tried everything they could uh, to try to get that devil out of that boy. I believe they probably said the very words that they heard the Master say at times. huh? I believe they laid their hands on that boy just like the Master did. But nothing happened. The boy was still demon-possessed. And then Jesus comes down the Mount Transfiguration, and the Father runs to him and tells him the whole situation. And you know the story. Jesus cast the devil out of him. But here's what I want you to note with me. Go over to verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? That's a fair question. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now I don't know about you, but I'm still scratching over that verse. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Do you know why nothing should be impossible to you if you exercise the faith that God has given to you in the Word of God for what God said He'll do? I'll tell you why nothing should be impossible to you. Because nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen? Let me show you another one. Go over to um, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Here we have the Lord Jesus on His way to the temple. He comes across that fig tree and it has no fruit on it and He curses it and it withers up and dries. The next day, they're on, next morning, they're on the way to the temple again, and, and Peter comes across the tree, and look at what it says here in verse 21. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou hast cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. <laughs> All right, he's got a faith lesson for them. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, whosoever is you, Christian, it's you. And nothing is too hard for you that God shows you that he desires to do because nothing is too hard for him. But you've got to let him speak to your heart. You've got to trust him for what he says he'll do. Let me show you another one. I like this one. 
Go over to Mark chapter 10 and look at verse 51. Blind Bartimaeus, remember him? He was on the roadside and the, disciple, uh, the Lord was coming along, a great commotion. He wanted to know who, what was going on. And they said, the master's going by. And he cried unto him, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And uh, they tried to get him to be quiet. The master had a long day, but he yelled all the more, and Jesus called him unto him. And look at verse 51. And Jesus answered and said to him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that might receive my sight. And Jesus said, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Did you get it? Thy faith. Do you know what enabled God to give that man his sight? The faith of that man? Somewhere along the way, whether he saw the Lord Jesus or heard him, or not seen him, of course, he was blind, but whether he heard of him, of the great things he was doing, or heard him teach, he was impressed that God could do that for him. And he trusted God to do it. And that's why Jesus did it. But let me show you one more. Go to Matthew chapter 9, and uh, verse 27. We have two blind men here. I think they're different uh, uh, men. And uh, the Bible says in verse 27, when, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touch ye their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Now I have a question for you. You who are saved tonight. What has your faith seen God do since you've been saved? What has your faith seen God do since you've been saved? There's many more accounts found throughout the Gospels describing the mighty works of God because of man's faith in God. And I ask you, dear Christian, what has your faith seen God do since you've been saved? And what is your faith expecting God to do now and in His time? Faith is the key. A believer's faith and mighty works of God go together. And we'll not see God do great and mighty things if we do not trust God to do great and mighty things. I think of the time when the Lord Jesus returned to his home. And uh, if you remember that, Matthew 13, you need not turn there, but they were offended at his teaching. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And we Christians, we take that, and boy, that's an unbeliever right there. But wait a minute, what about us? What about our walk with God? Are we allowing God to show us what he would do for us or through us if only we would trust him? If only we would trust him? You know, the purpose of Bible faith is to become sight. I'm looking forward to the day that I'll no longer walk by faith. I'll see him as he is, and I'll be like him, for I'll see him as he is. I'm looking forward to that day, but right now I'm walking by faith. But here's the thing you need to understand. There's a whole lot of things that God desires to do for us and through us and even through this church and for the world, but you're going to have to let God speak to your heart from the Word of God, and you're going to have to trust Him to do it. Or it, wouldn't be, or it won't be done. It won't be done. Faith is a key by which to see God do great and mighty things. And so I ask you again, Christian, what's your faith? Trusting God to do now. Not talking about your salvation testimony. Praise God for that. It's a great soul winning tool. I'm talking about your life now. What have you allowed God to show you from his word? 
that he desires to do, maybe for you or through you, if only you would trust him to do it. Much? Little? Anything? A Bible faith begins a sinner's walk with God. That's how it all began. Amen? We got, we got saved by faith through grace. And Bible faith is to continue our walk with God. We're to be men and women walking by faith in God and His Word. Go over to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. We love to quote verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also the Greek. And somehow we never get to verse 17. But look at what verse 17 says. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Brethren, are you saved tonight? You're to live by faith. Faith in God and His Word. The just are God's children. And after we're saved, we're to live for God by faith in God every day. We are to be walking testimonies of a mighty God in whom nothing is too hard, nothing is impossible, all things are possible. That, we ought to be a testimony of that by our faith and what God has done because of our faith. Now, let me ask you again. What are, you, are, are you walking with God by faith? I mean, tonight. Have you been walking with God by faith? Look at one more place. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, look at verse 4. For what, 1 John 5, verse 4. I'll have that marked. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. You know that verse, don't you? Well, that's a present tense verse. That's today. That's right now. Born of God to be God's people. Amen? Born again. Overcometh means to prevail, to get the victory. And how does the believer overcome the world? Look at the rest of the verse. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We overcome the world by a walk of faith in God and His Word. And so I ask again, what have you seen God do since you've been saved? According to your faith. According to your faith. I'm not talking about your testimony of salvation. I'm talking about your faith in God today. What is your faith trusting God to do now? Now I want to give you just quickly three biblical facts to see that faith at work. Three biblical facts, and I, I quite frankly think to see this be a reality in your life tonight. Faith is the key to all this, my brethren. Listen, to surrender, to sacrifice, to send, and to and pray, and to keep praying, you won't do it if you don't do it by faith. It won't happen. It may be a one-night experience, but it'll be gone the next day. So let me give you three things real quick, and, and then we'll be done. Three Bible facts about Bible faith that allows us to see God do great and mighty things. Number one, the character of Bible faith. The character. Now, by that, I mean the definition. Now, listen, I'm still learning about faith. I think it's a school for the rest of all my days on this earth. Amen? I'm nowhere near arrived when it comes to a walk of faith. But here's what I have observed over all my years as a believer. What, 40, 48 years, I think, something around that? I know I don't look that old. But anyways, um, it's been a long time. And here's what I've learned. Here's how I define faith. It's trusting God according to His Word to do something for me and or through me. Okay? It's trusting God according to His Word to do something for me and or through me. In other words, you have God's Word for what you're trusting God to do. You know, brethren, I never thought I would step out of the pulpit as a pastor. But when God began working in my heart to work with these uh, nationals full-time, I'll tell you what, I was scared. And I really wondered, what am I doing? Giving up all that I, I'm receiving as a pastor and, 
and, and it, was, it was comfortable as far as the finances go. And then to step out with, with no guarantee of an income, you know, except God, which is a pretty good guarantee, by the way. And, uh, and so I had to make a decision of faith to trust God. And I stepped out, and God gave me some verses to do that. I didn't just step out and do it because oh, God wants me to do it. I have verses that shows me what God wants me to do. And I want to be frank with you. There's been times I've had to get those verses back out and read them again just to be encouraged to go on. You see, you got an anchor with the Word of God. God won't lead you to, to trust Him apart from the Word of God. You've got to have the Word to come back to. But let me give you a better definition. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Quickly, that word substance carries the idea of a confidence, amen? Assurance. So faith is the assurance of things. Isn't that interesting, brother? Things, not thing. Not just heaven. Things. Um, plural. Hope for. The word hope means expected. Amen? It's not used the way we used it today. Back then it was an expectation. A sure thing. It's going to happen. So faith is the substance, the assurance of things hoped for or expected. It's the evidence, the proof of things, there's that plural again, not seen, not yet done, not yet received, but will be in his time. That's the best definition you can have on faith right there. It's the substance, the assurance of things expected, Hope for, it's the evidence, the proof of things not seen, not yet done, but will be in God's time. Faith is the key. Amen. And Bible faith is your confidence in God for what He said He will do for you and through you according to His Word. You know, the word faith is found 232 times in the New Testament. That must be a pretty important word. But you know what? It's only found two times in the Old Testament. Check it out tonight. But I'll tell you what, the Old Testament is full of Old Testament saints walking by faith. And brethren, do you understand, when they walked by faith, they had God's Word and what they're trusting God for. Go over to Hebrews, we're at Hebrews 11, drop down to verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. How did he do that? Tell me. By faith. How about Abraham? Verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't know where he was going, but he went trusting God to guide his very feet. He did all that by faith. Uh, how about verse 11? Through faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. That's a good definition of faith. By the way, is this the same? Are we talking about the same lady? Back in uh, Genesis 18, when the Lord told Abraham that his wife was going to conceive at this time next year, and she was behind the tent, she started laughing, you know, I'm pretty old, and I'm, and I'm going to conceive. <laughs> and the Lord said, why does Sarah laugh? And he said this, is anything too hard for the Lord? And she tried to deny it. Boy, you can't, you, you can't get away with anything with God. Amen. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. Amen. So somewhere along that way, from her laugh of doubt... She decided to trust God for what he said he would do, and it happened. But the key was her trust. Now, I'm going to throw something at you, and you're going to get upset with me. You remember Mary when she asked, you know, you know, how, how should I, you know, how should I conceive not knowing a man? And, uh, 
the Lord or the angel Gabriel told her. And Luke chapter 1, verse 38 says this. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I got a question for you. What would have happened if she said, Not so, Lord. This is not going to happen. I don't think she would have conceived. Now don't call me a heretic. Just call me your friend. Amen? Give you something to think about. But I'll tell you why I say that. When she went to see Elizabeth, here's what Elizabeth said. Blessed is she that believed, for there should be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Did you get it? She believed. Therefore, there should be a performance of things that were told her the Word of God again. Amen? And so anything we expect from God requires faith in God, this Word, for what we're expecting from Him. And anything we do for God requires faith in God, this Word, for what, we do, what He does through us. And our lives ought to be a walking testimony of things that God is doing according to His Word because we have claimed His promise by faith and we've not let Him go until He does it. And I'll tell you what, you're going to need faith. You're going to have to surrender. You've got to believe it. That's from the Bible. Surrender, sacrifice, send, supplication. All right? I'm going to be frank with you. I fear there's a lack of Bible faith exercise in our churches today. And I'm, I don't know this church. I'm not, I'm not saying this is you at all. But I've been doing a lot of traveling for the last few years. And I'll tell you, I'm coming across a lot of pastors that are discouraged. And uh, they have small congregations and, oh, the good old days. Oh, I remember when our pews were filled... And we had children and young adults, and now it's just a bunch of gray-haired folks and all the good old days. And they're not walking by faith. They're walking by sight. You know, I fear our churches are full of Christians who have a passion for the world and the things of the world and not for God and the things of God. That they walk by sight and not by faith. They're busy looking around instead of looking within the book and looking up who look to the world to supply their needs, everyday needs, and not God to supply their everyday needs. And they are not seeing God do great and mighty things in, this, in their life. And my question to you is, how about you? What's your testimony tonight? You know, we, we have all kinds of answers for this. Well, you know, we're, we're in the last days. I hear that so much on the road. Well, we've always been in the last days, brethren. And by the way, don't measure, uh, what, don't measure America... As, as to what God is doing, because I'm telling you what, God's doing great things around the world. Amen. Multitudes of people are getting saved. And I think the problem in America, and I, I know I'm, I'm kind of suppos, you know, supposition here, but I think the problem in America, we just don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. And we get discouraged. We think, oh me, oh my, the good old days. Amen? So I want to ask you, what is your faith trusting God to do today? And what has your faith seen God do Yesterday. And by the way, aren't you glad we have a God who desires to prove himself? Huh? Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. This week, I trust you're in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and reading that and meditating on it, I would strongly advise that. Amen. And I'll just, listen, listen, you've got time to read that at least three times this week. Think about it. And, but also, you need to pray. Lord, what do you have me to do? And uh, let him speak to you. And I'll tell you this, he'll show you great and mighty things which you know not today. Are you going to trust him and do it?
You're going to take them in. You're going to trust them to take care of you. The tithe. The tithe belongs to the church. Amen. And then you give an, uh, an offering above the tithe. The grace purpose offerings above the tithe. But you know, the, you know what God said to encourage us on giving a tithe? He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here with saith the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. We have a God that says, try me. Prove me. Let me show you how faithful I am. He is faithful that has promised. We're the ones that have a problem with the promise. Amen? And so I ask you again, what is your faith trusting God to do according to His Word today? What has your faith seen God do according to His Word yesterday? Number two, the commandment of Bible faith is obedience. We sing that song. It's a beautiful song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And uh, if you drop down to verse uh, uh, 7 of Hebrews 11, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved the fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Why did Noah prepare an ark? I'll tell you why. In Genesis 7, 5, And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. Uh, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he'd have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. Why did he do that? Because he obeyed God. And with every faith promise that God gives us, there's, a, there's going to be some obedience on our part. Obedience. There's going to be some things that we need to do. Amen? And uh, we need to obey the Lord. You see, obedience is important because it keeps us looking to God for what He's going to do. And disobedience gets us to forget what God's going to do. <laughs> and that kills our walk of faith. There needs to be obedience. Obedience. Let me ask you something. What would have happened if the priests never put those, their feet in the brim of the water? They never would have divided, friend. And they would have gone back in the wilderness for another 40 years, and maybe that next generation would have exercised faith to go into the promised land. You know, when I got saved, one of the first principles that I was taught by my pastor was John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Last thing, the companion of Bible faith is persistent prayer. Ask and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking until God does what he said you'll do. You say, why is that necessary if God said you'll do it? It keeps us looking to him. It keeps us trusting him. It helps my faith. Amen? I'll tell you what. My dad, my, my dad was a Lutheran who went to church never. My mother was a Christian scientist, and that's what I was brought up in, and that's what God took me out of. When I got saved, my dad called me John the Baptist. He said, you'll get over it. My mom, she just, she didn't say anything. But uh, I prayed for dad and I prayed for mom to get saved for many, many years. And I'll be frank, there's times I didn't think they would. And, uh, but then I get back to praying for them again. And there's times I didn't think they would. And I get back to praying for them again. And my dad got saved at the age of 61. It took cancer to bring him to the Lord, but he got saved. My mother, at the age of 91, accepted the Lord as her Savior. I couldn't believe that. You know, she always had a way of cutting me off when I bring up the gospel. In fact, she didn't even let Larry and Cheryl in the house when they went to see her. And, uh, and, and you know, she just, she's good at it. Just slice it right off. And uh, then one day I, I said, Mom, are you afraid to die? She said, well, of course I'm afraid to die. And I said, well, you don't have to be. Can I share the gospel with you so you can know that you have a home in heaven through Jesus Christ? She said, Okay. It's like I have to go through the whole gospel, brother. I've never been able to do that with her. 
and got all the way through, and then I got to the very end. I said, wouldn't you like to accept Christ by faith as your Savior? And don't you got a home in heaven? And she said, yes! And I said, what? I didn't think I heard her right. I thought I must have messed up someplace. And she got saved. I'll tell you what, brother, prayer is so important to see God do what he's going to do. Persistent prayer. I'll go to one other text and we'll be done. Uh, I have others, but our, our hour is late. Go back to Mark chapter 11 and drop down to verse 21. And look at what, um, I read this passage to you, but I left one verse out on purpose. And uh, this has to do with that withered fig tree. Verse 22, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever, sh- uh, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now verse 24 is very important. Therefore, looking back at everything he said so far, I say unto you, what things shall you desire when you pray? Believe that you shall receive them, and you shall have them. Prayer is so important. Persistent prayer. Ask and keep asking. Trust, obey, and ask. Trust, obey, and ask. And by the way, along the way, there's going to be some times that your, your faith will waver a little bit. Just remember the father with the demon-possessed son. When he brought him to Jesus and told him the disciples couldn't cast the devil out, he said, if you can do anything. Now that wasn't his attitude when he, when, it, when he came to find Jesus. He knew he could do it. But his faith was shaken a little bit by those disciples. And then Jesus said this, if thou believeth, anything is possible to him that believeth. Remember that? And I love what the Father said, because I've used it in my own life again and again. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And there's been times I've had to do that, brethren. I'll tell you what, the circumstance of life, the hardship of life, and I've had to say, oh God, help me to believe. And he does. And he keeps you believing. And God will do what he said he'll do. Now what are you going to do with your grace purpose giving this week? First of all, you need to be praying. And believe God will show you. Second, you need to read those two chapters. You really do. And uh, let God just work in your heart over them. And then when God shows you, you might go like this. You might. <gasps> By the way, he'll, he'll, he'll show you what to give out of what you have. That's in the chapters. But you're going to go, <gasps> you might be like Peter. <gasps> That's so, Lord. But then what you're going to do, you're going to put faith in God and his word. That he will enable you. And he will care for you. And he will provide for you. As you do it. As you do it. Your obedience is to give it. God's responsibility. Give it by faith. By faith. Your obedience obedience is to give it by faith. God's responsibility is to enable you and provide for you and care for you as you do it. And brethren, he owns the whole world. Amen? We've got a rich father tonight. And he will, he is faithful that has promised. He will do it for you if only you walk by faith with him. And that's just with faith, uh, that's just with grace and purpose giving. But there's many other things in our lives that if, when we're in the Word of God reading it, or the preacher's preaching, and God the Holy Spirit's going to touch your heart to trust God for what he says. 
And you know what you're going to need to do? You're going to need to trust Him. And He'll do it. Father, thank you so much for our time tonight. I thank you for just being here and, and uh, getting to know these folks better. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for Pastor, a dear friend of mine, and good to see him again and to kind of renew some friendships and fellowship. And good to see Larry and Cheryl. But Father, we're here on a mission. We're here to please you and what you've called us together for this week. Have thy way in our hearts, Lord, I pray. May we remember the importance of faith. May we be tender towards you this week. May we pray. May we read. May we wait. And may we expect God to do great and mighty things because nothing's too hard for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.